Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Happy New Year, everyone. Really glad that you're joining us again. Welcome to Fresh Steak. Today, we have a very exciting podcast. Uh, we're very happy to be joined by Derek and Aaron, who are the uh, founders and owners of Handsome Harvest Farm. So we're going to be talking to them about their farm and how they got started and have a really, really engaging and interesting conversation for all of you. The reason why we wanted to talk to Derek and Aaron was because many people who listen may want to start their organic farming um, either for fun or, you know, as a profession. And these guys are pretty much experts now because they will we'll, we'll talk to them and, and listen to their story. But we want to know how they got started. And hopefully, you know, a lot of the information that we're going to be discussing is something that uh, many of you can use. Welcome, Derek and Aaron. Thank you, JC. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about you yourselves and how it was that you, you know, got started and decided that you wanted to farm and, and start a, your own farm. And, and in this case, you know, Handsome Harvest Farm. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's Derek speaking here. And basically the journey started in maybe 2010. Um, previously, I, I hadn't had any gardening experience. And Aaron and I were living in St. Pete when. Um, I started getting into plants, you know, he had some on the porch, some herbs and uh, succulents and, you know, pretty things. And um, so it was a little bit out of the blue, but we started going to permaculture group meetings. They were studying a book um, at the time. I think it was Gaius Garden. So we were reading the book along with a study group of mostly retired people that wanted to do permaculture in their St. Pete yards, um, mostly for food. And it was at the one of those meetings that we went to where they were talking about food supply and, you know, St. Pete being a peninsula and having very few farms, there was a discussion about um, the trucks and ships that carry us our foods and, you know, how long it would take grocery stores to run out of food if those trucks and ships stopped. So that was an eye-opening experience for me to start thinking about that. And that was a little bit of a switch in at that point, we started expanding the container garden on our porch until it filled up the entire apartment uh, patio on the <laughs> ground floor until mm-hmm. they eventually told us we needed to either get rid of them or move out. Um, and that's what pushed us to purchasing our first small property and starting an urban farm in St. Pete and uh-huh. continuing the journey of learning how to garden and mm-hmm. grow food. So that that's one of the, and I, and I you know, myself did not really grow up in a farm although I did go to um, an agricultural college and had hands-on training on, you know, how to grow crops and, you know, raise uh, livestock and that sort of thing. But many, many people don't actually have formal training in agriculture or didn't grow up in a farm. And that, in a way, can be challenging. So I'm sure you guys, there were some challenges as you were learning, and I'm, and I'm assuming that, you know, you're probably still might be, you know, learning a lot about what works and what doesn't work. 
Absolutely, JC. The the problems and the expanding of your understanding of how to to solve them or to make it so they don't happen again is something that never stops. I, I feel like at least it hasn't for us. And at those beginning stages, some of the things that caused the most trouble were others, whether it be YouTube videos or published books, where someone would proclaim themselves an expert and um, you know tell you exactly how a system would work, and then you'd copy it and not have the same positive results. So it, it was tricky to determine, you know, who knew what they were talking about and who was giving you information that in your region would be successful. So mm-hmm. sort of sorting between the good info and the bad info definitely mm-hmm. took um, a lot of exposure to start being able to figure out. Mm-hmm. And I guess in your case, as the owners and founders of the farm, you also have to you know, play to your own skills. Because uh, which one of you, and maybe both of you, have the green thumb? <laughs> well, what do you think, Aaron? I, you know, I was lucky that um, growing up, my father and grandfather owned a small retail plant nursery in Tampa. So we had always had, you know, a vegetable garden growing up, and mm-hmm. had been exposed to plants my whole life. So I had a little bit of that knowledge, you know, kind of getting into the farming and agriculture. But, you know, it's one thing on, you know, the home scale, which I think is a good thing for people who are interested in agriculture, especially young people to get started, you know, have a garden at home, because then you kind of get a feel for how to interact with plants. But it's a whole nother thing when you scale up to starting, you know, a a for-profit business, a farming business. Um, So really, Derek learned a lot about that. You want to talk about your... Um, yeah, I guess I should pick up. So, you know, this, the St. Pete urban uh, farm that we were talking about lasted uh, for about a year and a half before we had the opportunity to move up to North Florida um, in the Tallahassee region, where we were, were able to save up for a number of years and purchase the, the farm that we're currently working on. Um, that was in 2017. Mm-hmm. So Aaron's totally right. Moving from the gardening and home scale to the commercial scale does take quite a leap in terms of um, how productive you have to be, how efficiently you need to make all of your processes to get your work done in time and to not, you know, just totally exhaust yourself. Um, So what I did, you know, I had the gardening experience, lots of volunteering at different gardens and farms, but it was really working at another commercial um, organic growing farm in the Mm -hmm. area for about mm-hmm. a year that I was able to round off the gardening knowledge to the commercial knowledge, mm-hmm. as well as getting the local feel. Cause growing in a region like St. Pete moving up to the panhandle or to the big bend is um, significantly different growing conditions. And the same would be true in Alachua and Orlando everywhere has their microclimates that you need to learn from, from other people who have been doing it in that area. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so it sounds that you, you both, you know, have the previous experience that you had either uh, family or, or, you know, reading books and doing other things. What about when it comes to things like actually managing the, the business? Which one of you is the one, or maybe the two of you is in charge of making sure that you're keeping good records, that, you know, sales, uh, orders, and, and how all of that, you know, works? So my, uh, this is Aaron, so speaking from an education background, I uh-huh. went to school and got a degree in management information systems, which is a business degree. And I did learn a lot about kind of the 
fundamental concepts, accounting, bookkeeping, record keeping, Mm -hmm. and definitely helped to springboard us into the business side and and help uh, kind of manage the overall uh, administrative side of the farming operation. And then as we've been growing, I mean, you know, when we started the farm originally in 2017, it was just Derek, you know, working, you know, full time on the farm and, you know, a small, I think we started with maybe a half an acre uh, growing area. And then as we've, you know, year over year, just keep expanding. Now we're at about three acres of vegetable production and we have, Mm -hmm. you know, two employees here that work at the farm and one that works at the farmer's market every week. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as that expansion has occurred, that has also prompted us to, you know, change our systems. And we're really actually in a a stage of our development where we're really getting into systematizing our, you know, entire process from the crop rotation aspect to cover cropping and, Mm -hmm. you know, monitoring the, you know, fertilization regimen for all of our crops. Um, And so, you know, as you, you start scaling up, the more you want to make things more systematic and just be more organized in the way that you're scheduling your planting dates out and and kind of getting, you know, Mm -hmm. through all of the uh, bookkeeping, record keeping processes. So I think one of the things that really helped us in the last couple of years is there's a couple of books written by, I believe the the titles are Lean Farm um, and the author is uh, Ben Hartman. And Mm -hmm. he has a couple of books, the Lean the Lean Farm is the first one, and there's another one called The Lean Farm to uh, Growing Vegetables. And they're both excellent books because they really break down uh, how to streamline your farming operation and, and kind of get things uh, organized in a way that reduces the amount of waste and the amount of work that you're putting into your operation. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. these books. So besides um, the books, and I think we were speaking earlier about maybe workshops and uh, conferences that you've all attended. Are there some other things that you feel have been helpful in this, um, this process? Uh, Definitely. And um, you know, if someone was listening and they're trying to figure out where to start from the beginning or where to expand their knowledge, some of the best education that we've gotten has been Um, Well, for instance, here in Tallahassee, we started attending the farmer's market and purchasing produce there and keeping an eye of what's in season when and what are people growing really well and getting to know the farmers and getting involved with the local agriculture scene in general. And once someone starts to do that, they'll start finding the people in their community that lead workshops on. um, If it's not gardening, there's all sorts, you know, the wild plant walks. plant identifications, those actually, I think, help to form the well-rounded education that it takes to run the farm. You just have to have sort of a consciousness of plants and nature. So Mm -hmm. um, meeting the local people who are farming and getting to know them and finding opportunities to either volunteer if they have, if, if you're trying to learn how to do agriculture and you have time, like, you know, if you can squeeze in half a day a week or whatever to go and work at a farm or volunteer at a big garden, or to go to the community gardens and rent a plot. Um, many towns have those now, or even start a gardening group yourself and do the book club. Those are all the things that really helped me personally was um, talking with the people that were already doing it successfully in my area 
Of course, mm-hmm. on top of that comes all of the heaps and heaps of other information that's more general, soil science, plant science, um, learning how to identify pests and diseases, that type of stuff can be done online and, and whatnot, although there is a, a specific local dimension to your insects and your diseases that sometimes extension can help to determine and to, to work with, but um, relying on your local gardeners and, and farmers as resources is going to be huge for people looking how to learn. Absolutely. Um, and I understand that currently you, uh, the farm is not uh, certified organic, but maybe that's something that you both are interested in. Yeah, our trajectory had been pointing that way and the pandemic has switched a lot of things that we had originally thought. And with our current sales model, we're not being pushed to certify um, because Mm -hmm. our customers, they come on our farm tours, they know us personally. So we haven't had an issue with um, transparency. They understand that that, uh, we don't use chemical fertilizers or or any other chemical pesticides. So we haven't been pushed to, if we get into grocery stores or the local co-op grocery store, that might be um, more of an incentive for us to go the the full route and do the paperwork and get the certification so that we could put our organic products once certified with the other ones, grocery shelves. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And from what, you know, you both have said is you're already sounds like implementing a lot of the practices that uh, organic farmers uh, have, like, you know, crop rotation and pest management, you know, selecting the right varieties, a lot of the stuff that you've been describing, it really fits, you know, within what organic farmers are doing. So, oh, that's great. And, and, and certainly, you know, market is one of the things that people need to consider when they're not, they feel that obtaining the organic certification makes sense uh, at a particular point in time. That's great. So what about in terms of resources and other opportunities that you think can be helpful for, you know, your farm and perhaps some of the people that are listening? Well, one thing that has been a real boon for our farm that we started towards the beginning of the pandemic was getting enrolled with the wolfing program. Mm -hmm. And go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. So wolfing, it stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And essentially, it's a network of uh, farms that follow organic practices all over the USA and even all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gives people who are interested in, uh, you know, organic farming an opportunity to come stay on a farm, learn about organic farming, actually get some experience on the mm-hmm. farm. Uh, mm-hmm. And people can do it for a range. You know, uh, you, there's opportunities where you can do it for a day, um, a week. We, on our farm, usually host for about two to four months. So we're kind of mm. more of a longer uh, stay. And we've had uh, five wolfers, uh, people that have come to do the wolfing on our farm. And uh, it's really, I think that length of time for us is really good. It gives the wolfers an opportunity to really work through a whole season and see from like start to finish the, the life cycle of planting to harvesting and everything in between (laughs) cultivating. So they really get an opportunity to get their hands dirty, see what the operation's like. And, you know, like Derek was talking about earlier, it's, it's really different when you're scaling up to doing a large amount of growing and understanding, you know, how much different plants can take uh, as far as, you know, when you're transplanting them, when I was doing it in a home garden, 
I would, you know, so delicate with my plants when I'm putting them in the beds. And, you know, here we're doing, you know, we'll plant 680 foot beds of plants. And it's like, you realize how you can just really efficiently, quickly drop the plants in the ground. And absolutely. Happy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Because uh, time, uh, well, as they say, I think sometimes time is money. And so you, you got to become really, really efficient doing a lot of those things that when you're just growing stuff in your you know backyard or in your garden sort of as a hobby and you might feel that you have a little bit more time to do it's no mm-hmm. problem but when you have to plant as you said you know several acres of a particular crop or crops then that you know you got to become really really efficient at it absolutely so what what about uh, in terms of those people that are listening and, and maybe interested in woofing uh, or just opportunities that maybe you guys could, you know, relate to them and help people who are also interested in, you know, in becoming farmers? Absolutely. So, um, you know, people can find us on our social medias, of course, Handsome Harvest. And I would recommend that they do the same for farms and organic operations in their regions and stay up on the social media because that nowadays is mostly how you know, farms will get their information out to people. So if there's like, um, for instance, a farm up here, will do a, a garlic work day where the community comes together and helps to pick the uh, elephant garlic and clean it. And, and it's mm-hmm. a really nice thing. Of course, some of this you have to take with a gram of salt because it isn't going on during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But following the social medias of, of the farmers is a great way to stay in touch, seeing their stories and stuff, seeing what they do on a day-to-day basis is kind of neat. I would always, for instance, take notes or take screenshots when um, there's information that I could use later on, such as planting dates or planting varieties for farmers or gardeners that were in my area, because mm-hmm. all of those little tidbits add together um, to make you successful. Um, so th- those are quite good. You know, some people do Facebook and things like that, Facebook groups and things like that, which um, can also have a lot of information. Um, there's forums that I've used, such as Garden Web, that I learned mm-hmm. a lot. I could post specific mm-hmm. questions. Uh, Reddit, as well, has forums for or, organic gardening. In Tallahassee, mm-hmm. we are fortunate to have the Red Hills Small Farm Alliance, mm-hmm. which has um, taken on the CRAFT program, which is a national program for farmer-to-farmer training. That would be, if you have a CRAFT in your area, if you're located near Tallahassee, getting involved with that or finding other small farm alliances. Um, those are all great resources for more information mm-hmm. and volunteer opportunities. Yeah. So craft in our area, they're doing, you know, workshops regularly throughout the year. Uh, and they're typically hosted by a farmer and they just kind of walk through a particular process. Um, so, you know, we've had high tunnel production workshops. We've uh, here on our farm, what was the topic? Do you remember, Derek? Well, I remember Hain, uh, Herman's was ginger and turmeric. Oh, yeah. So there's... I think ours was small tools of the small farm. Yeah. So there's it's really good to get that hands-on experience. And there's also uh, in our region, the uh, North uh, Florida Farm Tour, and that occurs every October. So there's an opportunity there to come out and actually see a farm, see what it looks like, and kind of talk to the farmers. Workshops and uh, field days are uh, an excellent way to learn new things and obviously interact with uh, other farmers. So I do encourage our listeners to, if you find opportunities where you live for attending those types of events, to 
go ahead and take advantage of those opportunities. Of course, your local extension agents are also extremely helpful. Um, you can visit our website, fog at foginfo.org, because we're regularly announcing workshops and um, we haven't had a conference, especially you know during the pandemic, but we are hoping that we're going to have uh, more educational opportunities you know, in the near future. So I encourage people to visit our website or call us, email us if you have questions. You know, we're here to always help in whatever way we can to answer people's questions about, you know, farming. Uh, if you're interested in organic uh, agriculture and organic farming, organic gardening, you can also call us and that's what we do. But we also really, really uh, through our podcast appreciate people like Derek and Aaron sharing their experiences with us. And also now that you know who they are, contact them if you if you feel that, you know, there might be something that you can gain from interacting with them and maybe even just woofing, which is it's great. So Derek and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on Fresh Steak today. We really appreciate having you. Yeah, thank you so much, JC. It was fun. Thank you. So we look forward to uh, having all of you uh, in our next episode. Please tune in and um, we'll continue to share with you very useful and educational materials. And again, visit us at foginfo.org. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 